those words, do you immediately jump to a spot in your life when you heard them, when someone spoke them to you? I am proud of you. Maybe for some of you, there was an interaction with a parent. I remember my dad one time after speaking the first time at a children's uh, church camp um, that he just simply said, man, I am proud of you in the way that you did all that. My mom, she was kind of a words person, so she said, I'm proud of you all the time, which didn't demean it at all, but just I remember those words. And maybe for you, you remember a moment when you had a parent just simply say, I'm proud of you. Or maybe it was a teacher. That's what comes to your mind. And I remember my senior year, kind of in between classes, one of my teachers just saying, I'm really proud of you being able to win this certain award. And I kind of blew it off. I'm like, well, thanks. And they're like, no, 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 you really deserve this. And so just simply saying, I'm proud of you. And I remember that moment. Maybe there was a teacher that spoke into you at some point and simply said that I'm proud of you. Or maybe for you, it was a coach at some point, an instructor. Like I remember had different coaches at multiple times, but one specific instance was when I was wrestling and I was a freshman on the JV team, but we were wrestling this other team and we were going to have an opening. So we were going to forfeit that weight class to this other team, but they had a really good wrestler at that weight class. And so instead of leaving it open for us and they could throw someone else in and then have them wrestle at a different weight class, coach said, all right, you're now going to wrestle this guy. I didn't know anything about it. So I went out and wrestled. I got the first takedown. My team was all excited. He pinned me in the second period, which was totally fine. But the idea that the team was so excited and coaches simply looked at me and said, I am really proud of you. And maybe you've had someone speak into you and say those words. Or maybe it was someone at church. There was someone who was coming alongside and instructing you and just seeing what you were doing. And they said that I am proud of you. I remember specifically in high school, one of my Sunday school teachers and just the conversation that we had, but specifically those words. Or maybe... Maybe you haven't heard those words a whole lot in your life, and that makes it even more meaningful for those few times that you did hear it. When someone says they're proud of you, that type of pride is a satisfaction either with your achievements, but it can also simply be who you are, and so they're proud of you. Sometimes when we talk about pride, we, we talk about taking pride in your work. And that definition is it describes a feeling of happiness that comes from achieving something. And so again, maybe it might be sports and you were able to win or you were able to, you know, accomplish a certain move or task and you know now how to do it. You've spent so much time. And so you take pride in being able to do that. Or maybe it has to do with music and the way that you sing or something playing an instrument. Maybe it has to do with the theater. Maybe it has to do with school and grades and projects that you have worked on. Maybe it's something at home and you worked on this puzzle that took a long time and you were proud that you were able to accomplish it or you worked on a model and you put it together or maybe it wasn't even a model. You worked on a real car and the things that you just step back and you take pride in the work that you did. And so sometimes pride can deal with that kind of definition. Sometimes another definition of pride is a celebration of a specific minority group, an affirmation of equal rights for the members of that community. And so maybe when you hear pride, you think about the LGBTQ community who has kind of taken that word. All right, this idea of pride. And I'm going to be honest, when I thought of that, I thought about that, okay, they're proud of who they are. Did you know that pride is actually an acrostic? It stands for uh, personal rights in defense and education, which was founded in 1966 and the first marchers were in 1970. And so anyway, when you hear the word pride, I wonder how many of your minds go to that definition. There's also a definition of the word pride as far as a group of a certain animals. 
Like what I mean by this is you have a school of fish or a herd of elephants or a murder of crows. Do you know which group of animals is a pride? You can tell the people next to you if you know what it is. If you don't, you can like act like you know. But the answer is lions, all right? So a pride of lions. And so maybe your mind goes there. Maybe you didn't know that and you learned that and that's the only thing you're gonna learn today. That's okay. But pride has all these different definitions. But then there is this definition of pride that we sometimes refer to someone as being prideful if they have an unreasonable or an inordinate self-esteem or exceedingly high self-regard, or they're having a high opinion of one's own dignity or importance or merit or, or superiority, whether it's cherished in the mind or displayed in contact or in conduct. What that means is basically whether I think that I'm better than you or you see me act it out. Like you can tell by my actions that I'm prideful. Some synonyms, the idea that someone is conceited or arrogant. That's his definition of pride. And as Solomon is instructing his son and anyone else who will listen how to live life at its absolute best, one of the topics that he addresses in Proverbs is this idea of pride. And not one of the good kinds, but the type where you think you think of yourself more highly than you ought. This type of pride can be a declaration of independence against God, or it can even be an assertion of war against him. And so in looking at the verses specific to pride in the book of Proverbs, I broke them up into four different sections that we're going to look at so that way we can focus on the same thing at each time. And each one of those sections is going to have three verses that we're going to look at. And so if you have your Bibles or devices, you can open up to Proverbs chapter 6. And I will always give you time to be able to turn there. Uh, I am, man, my heart is that we know the word of God more than my presentation is all crisp and clean. So we're going to make sure that we are learning God's word. Also, if you have the Bible app, you can look there. And maybe you hear us say that every week. What does that mean? You can have the version app. And on the right side where there's these buttons for extra options, you click on it. And then it says events. And if you click on that, you will find South Rock Christian Church. And our whole outline is there, able to take notes. And so that's where that is found as well. But just we're following along to see what is it that Solomon said about pride in the book of Proverbs. And so first off, what we need to know is that God hates pride, All right? Maybe you already know that, but God hates pride. And there are some verses that, that are pretty meaningful, pretty much blunt about this. And so the first one is in chapter six, we're going to look at part of verse 16 and 17. All right, here's what it says. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable him. And the first thing it says are haughty eyes. All right, now maybe you don't know what that word haughty means, and we don't just use it a whole lot, but it means prideful. In fact, it means um, blatantly prideful. In fact, when you look at the Hebrew word, it means being high, so eyes that are being high. So anyone who has haughty eyes, they are looking down upon other people. Whoever it is that you're looking at, they are not good enough. And as we learned a couple weeks ago, essentially that comes from our heart. We end up thinking that we are better than someone else. And so God does not like eyes that look down on other people. Turn over to chapter 8, verse 13. It's our next verse that we're looking at. And actually, we've read it two times already in this series because there are so many things in this verse. But chapter 8, verse 13, Solomon says this. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil speech or evil behavior and perverse speech. So he says, I hate pride and arrogance. I do not like it when my children think they are more important than anyone else. Like if you understand God is Father, He loves every single one of us. And when we begin thinking that we're better than someone else, that is something that God does not like. 
Turn over to chapter 21, verse 4. This is our last verse in this section, chapter 21, verse 4, and this idea of God hating pride. Again, this will sound pretty familiar to what we've just read twice. Chapter 21, verse 4. <clears throat> it says this, Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked are sin. So here he's talking about these haughty eyes that look down on other people, this proud heart that thinks too highly of itself. It's not just, eh, it's a little bit wrong. It is sin. God does not want us living that way. You and I, we were created to live in relationship with God. And that relationship means having the right view of who we are. Like not going around thinking the world can't last without you. Like sometimes we may have that kind of thought process, but that's not correct. Or it also means having a right view of other people, that each person is made in the image of God. And so when you and I are prideful, God is not pleased with that. But not only does God hate pride, we also read in Proverbs about how God responds to pride, okay? There are certain instances that he steps in and does certain things. So turn back to chapter 3. So we're going back towards the beginning of the book. Chapter 3, verse 34. So we're looking at this idea of God responding to pride. What is one of the things that he does? Verse 34 says this. He mocks proud mockers but he gives grace to the humble. In fact, that verse is quoted in James chapter four, but you might know it just simply by God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You see, God, one of his responses is he's going to pour out his grace upon those who live in humility. Turn to chapter 15. Chapter 15, verse 25 is our next verse. Fifteen twenty-five, it says this. The Lord tears down the proud man's house, but he keeps the widow's boundaries intact. And so you hear of the protection of God for those who live the way that he wants them to. In fact, we sing about God fighting our battles. In fact, in one of our songs today, we sang those words that God fights our battles. And here, God is watching over that which is this faithful widow's but he takes away that which is built up by the proud. Now, I do want you to remember, as we've been looking at the book of Proverbs, these are not promises, okay? So they're not promises. I tell you that because you have probably seen instances where the proud are building up quite the earth, earthly treasures. And you have probably even seen moments where someone who is faithful has had something that is taken that was rightfully theirs, but I will tell you that God will always be with them who follow him. And in general, when you take a step back and look at situations, you see God continually blessing those who are living in faithfulness and in humility, and he fights for them. The next verse is chapter 16, verse 5. Just one chapter later, 16, verse 5. Here's what it tells us about pride. The Lord detests all the proud of heart, be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. And so we've been talking about this punishment quite often in these weeks. We see the proud will be unpunished. We've heard of this idea with foolishness and the idea of not living in the fear of the Lord. We've looked at even some of the ungodly ways that we can use our words that there's punishment. And so now again, we see the benefits of living this life the way that God designed us to. And man, if I'm being completely open and honest, I'm just telling you, I want the blessing of God on my life. 
I want that on my life, and I would imagine that you would want the same. And so one of the ways that we do that is to rightly live with God and with others. And so do not let pride seep in and affect the decisions that you make each and every day. God, he doesn't like pride, and we see how sometimes he responds to us living in pride. But in Proverbs, there are also some specific warnings of pride. Okay, there are some warnings that if you live this way, here's what's going to happen. And so turn to chapter 11, verse 2. Chapter 11, verse 2 is the first of the three verses in this section that we're looking at. Again, warnings about pride. Here's what it says. When pride comes, then comes pride disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. And so, so many of the verses in Proverbs are this idea of cause and effect, if, then. And so, here we see, if you are living in pride, it leads to disgrace. And so, let me just ask you this. Have you ever been around someone who is very, very prideful? And when I say maybe you've been around them, the way they talk, the way they carry themselves, it actually makes you want to avoid them because it just seems like it's seeping out of them, like they can't get enough of talking about themselves or holding themselves up or they're God's gift to this earth and all that kind of stuff. And so you do not want to be, you know, just interacting with them. Pride can actually lead to disgrace. Here's what else it can lead to. Go to chapter 16, verse 18. Proverbs 16, 18. A lot of people have heard this verse before. Maybe didn't know it was from Proverbs. Here's what Solomon says. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And so we see that when you're prideful, when you're looking down on others, it leads to destruction or a fall. And again, how often have you seen someone who they're like, I've got everything under control. Like maybe they even haven't done anything, but they're going around saying that, or they think that they're the answer to the problem and they're surely going to let you know about it. And then it ends up blowing up in their face. And maybe you've actually been there before where it was you. Pride comes before a fall. I remember even at college, there was a professor and he talked about how we need to be careful not to become prideful when it deals with sin. What I mean by that is, oh, I don't deal with that sin. You know, my words, like I've got that under control because the moment that we become prideful and we think that I've got this under control, we quit guarding that area and we become susceptible to a downfall. So instead, we need to make sure that we are constantly living in humility, guarding our hearts and guiding our hearts to where it needs to go. One more verse that says something kind of similar to this is chapter 29, verse 23. Proverbs 29, verse 23. It says, A man's pride brings him low, but a man of lowly spirit gains honor. Like if we don't choose to live in humility, our pride has a way of bringing us down. And again, I remember to see how I moved conference, there was a speaker who was talking and he said, every single one of us needs to bend our knee to Jesus. We need to submit to him. And if you don't, God just may use a two by four to put you there. And that hurts a lot more. I'll tell you in the exact same way, like if we choose not to live our lives in humility, understand that there will be a circumstance that will come along and cause us to be humbled. It is much easier to choose it yourself. And so those are kind of some warnings about pride from the book of Proverbs. But lastly, I want to see a couple instructions about pride. Okay, so what do we do with all this? Turn to chapter 25, verses 6 and 7. 
chapter 25, verses 6 and 7. And here's the instruction. Do not exalt yourself in the king's presence, and do not claim a place among great men. It is better for him to say to you, come up here, than for him to humiliate you before a nobleman. And so instead of assuming that you deserve praise or you deserve a certain position, it is better for you to take a lower standing and then let other people lift you up. Like in this versus situation, can you see how being asked to move down positions could either feel disgraceful or could just be embarrassing? It actually reminds me of some words that Jesus said. In Luke chapter 14, he is at a banquet and there are guests and they are going and sitting in these places of honor. And he tells them, he says, it is better to sit at one of these lower seats and to have the host come up and tell you, hey, you belong up here as opposed to the opposite, that you're sitting up here and then the host has to say, I'm sorry, you now need to come down and sit in the lowliest of seats. And at the end of that event where Jesus is talking, he says, for everyone who exalts himself, will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. In chapter 27 of Proverbs, chapter 27 of Proverbs, verse 2, we're going to see a verse that's similar to what we just read, and it says this, let another praise you, and not your own mouth, someone else, and not your own lips. So praise, it means so much more when it's someone else saying about you, not your own words. Like too much of you saying something can turn into bragging, but instead let other people speak highly of you. And then when they do, turn it back towards praise to God. In fact, I've said this before, but Corey Tinboon once said, when people come up and they give me a compliment, I take each remark as if it were a flower. And at the end of the day, I lift up the bouquet of flowers I have gathered throughout the day. And I say, here you are, Lord. It is all yours. You know what? Don't go around lifting up your own name, but let other people do it for you. I will tell you that will not happen if you are not living honorably. And so may we live in humility and let other people speak highly of you. The last verse we're going to look at is still in this chapter, chapter 27, verse 21. 27, verse 21. And here's what it says. The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold. But man is tested by the praise he receives. You're tested by the praise you receive. Huh. Well, just like silver and gold is refined by the crucible or furnished, as you are praised by others, the question is, what will you do with it? What will you do with that praise? Will you allow your head to get really big? Will you maybe begin to think, well, I deserve everything that's coming my way? Or do you stay humble and thank God for working in your life? and continually bringing blessings to you. God, he hates pride and he watches over the humble. He warns of the downfall that comes with pride and he instructs us how to live in humility. And there's one final verse from Proverbs that kind of sticks out to me that covers over all of this. It's in chapter 26, verse 12. And it says this, it says, do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. More hope for a fool than someone who is living their life in pride and arrogance. As you and I live this life, may we choose to live seeing God as the one who made us. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not important. 
It also doesn't mean that you need to live with a false humility saying, well, I'm just not good at anything. Like if you say those words, you're actually putting down the wonderful creation that God made you to be. It also doesn't mean that you can't lead. Like God maybe wants you to lead, but how you lead is doing it humbly. We must live with the fear of God, remembering that he is greater and he will take care of us as we live for him. And then we must treat others as worthy as well since God created each person in his image. Now, I'll tell you, two weeks ago, the devotional topic in the Jones household was the golden rule, that idea of treating other people the way that you want to be treated. And one of the verses that was used in a chapter that we were reading is from Micah chapter 6, verse 8. And in that verse, the question asks, well, what is required of you? And the answer is to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Like we are called to do what is right as we love other people. And importantly, we're supposed to walk humbly with God. So let me just ask you this question. So we talk about pride. Where does it show itself in your life? Because it's not a matter of like, if you ever deal with pride, it's where. And so where can pride sometimes seep into your life? Does it have to do with accomplishments? that maybe sometimes you look around at other people's accomplishments or even lack thereof, and you begin to feel like you're a little bit better than them because of the things that you've done. Or maybe that accomplishment is even winning a game, and you don't just feel proud about being able to win, but you have to make sure the other team knows that they are lower than you, and so pride seeps in there. Or maybe you just simply watch someone else mess up or fail, and so in that moment, maybe you laugh, but maybe you just begin to think that you are a little bit better than them because pride has a way of puffing up. Maybe that's not where pride seeps in. Maybe it has to do with money and possessions. And sometimes you look around at what everyone else has, but you feel superior because of the things that you have been able to have. Maybe pride kind of seeps in with your job. And man, you've worked hard to get where you're at, but you look around and say, other people would only dream of having the job that I have. And you look at what other people do, and maybe you think that you are a better person because of your job. Maybe pride kind of seeps in when you start thinking about your kids and the way that you parent. Like maybe you look at other people and the way they parent, and you're like, oh, they just do not know anything about it. And you begin to think that you are better than them. They are lesser of a person. Maybe it has to do with your spouse or your marriage, and you're like, hey, look at who I'm married to. No one else gets that person. Hey, that's okay. But I want you to think about sometimes, like with pride, we can very much start looking at other people and thinking that they're less, or even just the way our marriage works versus the way yours does or yours doesn't. And again, pride can seep in in a way that is not healthy. Maybe pride seeps in with the idea of your friends and your popularity, and you just begin to think that I am better than you because of the amount of friends that I have. Or maybe it has to do with appearance and the way that you dress and the looks that you have, and so you're a better person than someone else. It can even seep in as we follow God, like the way that you follow God. You start going, look at all the boxes that I'm checking. I am a better Christian than this other person, or maybe even everyone else sitting in this room. And so sometimes we can begin to feel prideful about our walk with God. Or maybe it's not even our walk with God, but it's the knowledge that we have about God. And I've been studying, and I know the Word of God, and I know who He is. You know, one of the chapters that I read this week in a book, it warned you that if you're simply gaining knowledge about God, you better be careful because if it doesn't lead to following, then you are headed towards this path of being prideful because you know all this stuff, but you're not doing anything with it. Can I tell you one other area that pride can seep in? 
It's when we say that we don't need God. I mean, that's pride. I can do this all on my own, whether it's a situation, whether it's just this area of my life, whether it's I don't need God at all. I can do this on my own. Like that is pride speaking. And if we're not careful, can you just take a step back and see how it's easy for pride to take over our lives? I want to close this sermon by looking at one of the most famous passages about pride and humility from the book of Philippians chapter 2. And Paul writes this. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Like if all we do, um, oh, in all that we do, we ought to serve other people. We ought to see their importance. We ought to have a rightful view of ourselves. And may we not begin to believe the lies that might kind of whisper to you, hey, you're too good to do that. You're too good to serve that person. And maybe if we begin to think, well, that's not fair. Like, why should I have to do all these things? Just remember that Paul reminds us that God's not asking you to do something that he hasn't done already himself. Because if you keep reading that text in verses five through eight, it says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus, though he was God, he gave up his rights so that you and I could be rescued. He put on human skin and though he was perfect, he did not sin even once he went through one of the most shameful deaths ever invented. All for me and all for you. But it doesn't end there. The rest of that section in verses 9 through 11, it says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God because he was obedient to the task that was given him. Because he was uh, humble, God exalted him. And Jesus, by his own word, says... If you live in humility, you live a life this way, a life that obeys him and serves him, one day you too will be exalted. The last shall be first. The lowly servant will be royalty. Some people may not understand why you choose to live humbly, but if you live this consistently, most will want to be around you. Can I tell you today, as we leave, my encouragement would be simply ask God to help you be humble. Now, I will warn you, sometimes when you pray that, beware, because he may do something to humble you. <laughs> but God, help me not to have a head bigger than what I need. Because as you live that way, you will have a chance to impact others. And if, if you've never accepted his gift of grace and forgiveness, could I encourage you, to set aside whatever pride, whatever boundaries you may be dealing with and allow him to set you free. Tell him, I want you. I don't want pride or sin being the destruction in my life. And I will tell you, if you do that, one day 
from his own voice, you will hear the words, I am proud of you. Not just from another person, but from your Savior, from your Lord, from your Creator. Let's pray. God, as we're talking about pride, man, it's something that is difficult for all of us in different areas. But you promise not to, to leave us alone. And so your spirit lives inside of us. And I pray, I ask for your help. God, help us to live these lives of humility to everyone around us at all times. God, when we mess up, may we seek forgiveness and continue trying to do our best. Not that it earns anything with you, but God, we just want to respond in love. God, I pray for hearts that are still entrapped by sin, by this world. God, I pray that you would help them to be free. God, help those individuals to choose you and get to experience this life that you have for us. God, I'm thankful for your example. God, that we can see Jesus and who he is. Because of that, we can live this way. So thank you for love. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.